You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. In order to be effective, we need to find the most advantageous way to uh, to impact, to reach, to make a difference for the employee. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, my conversation with Jan Yogman. He is a senior director of product management at Mimecast, and he's sharing his thoughts on the ransomware epidemic and and the cybersecurity awareness training problem. All right, Joe, before we jump into our stories uh, this week, I just want to swing around uh, real quick and thank everybody who wrote in with ideas for helping me with my Discord issues. Our audience is nothing if not helpful. <laughs> well, this is, I would say, <laughs> of all the things we've uh, talked about on the show, this is... this is uh, You hit a nerve. I've, this is triggered... <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a good way to frame it because I think... So many people have had this happen to the, to them. Yeah. They've felt this frustration and have had to figure things out. So uh, I appreciate all of the kind notes from people, um, several uh, suggestions for various password managers that could help with this, so ways to store and restore backup codes, um, preventive ways to keep this from happening in the first place, and uh, some people even just wrote in with sympathy for my situation, which <laughs> which I appreciate as Sent well. Sent a little card that said, sorry for your loss. Yeah, your just, Discord you know, account. I feel you. We, we've all been there and uh, it stinks to have to go through this and hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll be okay and, and it won't happen again. So again, thanks to everybody for taking the time. Um, we do appreciate that. And of course, we love to hear from you all. You can write us to hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. All right, Joe, let's jump into some stories here this week. Why don't you start things off for us? Dave, recently the American Rescue Plan was passed. Mm. Are mm-hmm. you familiar mm-hmm. with this law? Uh, I would. I certainly know of it, but I can't say that I know the nitty-gritty details of it. Part of this law is that there is a new child tax credit that's worth either $3,000 or $3,600, depending on the age of your child. Okay. Right? Uh, unfortunately for me, my children are all much older. So <laughs> I believe I still have one child who is of age <laughs> that I will benefit from this. So well, yay me. <laughs> not me. Uh, but these are credits that will be paid directly to taxpayers. Yeah. Okay. So everybody's going to get checks for this. Yes. And guess what? It's a prime target for scammers, Dave. <laughs> and the IRS is warning American taxpayers about the scams. In fact, Jim Lee, who is the chief of the IRS's Criminal Investigation Division was interviewed by ABC News, and we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, ConnecticutRadio.fm. That's the station that had this story. Hmm. And he says, quote, Right now we are seeing scammers trying to take advantage of the American public by attempting to gain information using phone calls, emails, text messages, and social media, all targeting families eligible for the credit. Hmm. I think it's interesting that they're targeting families eligible for the credit. I don't know if that means that they're just like shooting these out willy-nilly or do these scammers have enough information to know which people are eligible for the credit and they're going after them? Like are hmm. they going to go after you and not me? 
Yeah. It, it would be interesting to know that. I'd like to know if these guys have that kind of information. Right. Yeah. Does it does it matter? Uh yeah. Do right. they lead off and by saying, you know, because your child is such and such an age. Right. There's uh, a lot if, of information out there on the on the internet yeah. for us. It's all for sale on the on the on the dark web, but also uh through some of these marketing companies. Mm-hmm. You know, these marketing companies built large dossiers of us. Yeah. Uh and here in America, we don't have GDPR. <laughs> right. So we can't say, yeah, destroy that data. I yeah. want to be forgotten. Huh. Uh, several scam emails and text messages were obtained by ABC News, and they uh, appear to show official documents. They're not official documents. Uh-huh. But one email appears to be written on official letterhead and says, economic impact payments status available July 26th, hmm. and then has documents inside of it. Right. Okay. So are they, they're trying to gather your information exactly. by saying, come – Come log on and make sure, verify that you're eligible for this money. Right. That sort and, of thing. And Lee says that they are sending thousands of text messages and emails every day. Hmm. Uh, once you click on the link, it sends you to a fake IRS website where you're then prompted to enter all your personal identifiable information to claim this child tax credit. Mm-hmm. And just like that, the scammers have all your information, he says. Wow. In another example, there was a text message that purported to be from Janet Yellen. Secretary of Treasury, hmm. right? Because as we've said before- She spends a lot of time on her phone. Right, yeah. She sends you text messages. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and it asks you to complete an eligibility form. Okay. Uh, the IRS is getting complaints as well about phone scammers. They're calling people directly and saying, hey, you need to get this child tax credit. You need to give me some information. Hmm. Uh, they're also talking about uh, the age-old scam of, hey, you owe us money and you need to send us gift cards or we're going to arrest you. Right. Which is something- uh, that has been going on for for many years, and we've yeah. been talking about it on this show. But the IRS will never – these are the things that Jim Lee wants you to know the IRS will never do. Okay. They will never send you emails or text messages requesting you to fill out a form with personal information on it. That's uh-huh. something that never happens from the IRS. Okay. Right? Uh, they will never leave pre-recorded or urgent threatening messages. Right. They will never make aggressive phone calls warning individuals about lawsuits or arrests. That's not how they operate. They do have uh, other stuff that they do, though. <laughs> yeah. That can be kind of intimidating. But it's all – if you're in that situation, you already know that you're in that situation. Yeah. Those it starts with a letter. Yeah. Those things do not come out of the blue. Right. They'll never ask you to pay in cryptocurrency. <laughs> that The IRS does not deal in cryptocurrency. <laughs> right. They just tax your, your capital gains on it. That's all. Uh, and they will never call taxpayers asking them to provide or verify financial ins- information – so that they can obtain the monthly child tax credit. Hmm. I'll also add to this list, the IRS will never offer to come to your house and wash your car. Yes, of course not. <laughs> Why would they do that? I don't know. I, just, I think I'm just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the old 1970s commercial from the IRS? It was a public relations commercial. No. People uh-uh. serving people just like you. Oh, Hmm. Um, I remember that. <laughs> uh, they're not using that one anymore. No, they're not. <laughs> no, because people were like, hey, can you come wash my car? Maybe that's what it came <laughs> There you go. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So be on the lookout for these scams. These are uh, these things happen every time something is in the news. So yeah. when you see something in the news, like this child tax credit, be on the lookout for scams about it. And this is just another example of that. Right, right. And And I think it's important to remember that if there's any organization in the world that already has all of your personally identifiable information, right? It's the IRS. They do. They, <laughs> they have don't a lot need, of it. They don't need to ask you for more of it. They right. ha- they have it. So, uh, yeah, just And they be have on other the ways of verifying your identity. Sure. Well. Sure. All right. Yeah, interesting. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
All right. Well, my story this week, uh, this comes from the folks over at Atlas VPN, and they did some research uh, looking at U.S. military personnel and uh, the degree to which military personnel had been uh, falling victim to scams. Mm -hmm. And according to this research, uh, they say that uh, since 2017, U.S. military personnel lost over $822 million to scams. Wow. And uh, they put people into – military folks into various categories. Uh, the first category is reservists and military personnel families. Uh, and they had the lion's share of the losses of $484 million, mm. uh, which is 59% of the military monetary damages. They had uh, veterans and military retirees who, who had 35% of the damages. That was $290 million. And uh, and then finally, uh, $47 million from active duty service members. A really small amount from active duty. Which is kind of interesting, right? That uh, most of the people targeted were either the family members of service members or mm-hmm. um, or uh, the retired. Right. Or veterans, those, those kind of folks. Uh, and then interestingly, they go through the types of scams that are targeting folks in the military – what do you think was top of the list, Joe? Uh, veterans benefits. Good guess. Okay. Not right. Ah, dang. <laughs> Romance scams. Romance scams. Yep. Ah, that would be a good top guess. Top of the list. Uh, this report says heartless criminals lured as much as $92 million from U.S. military members. Uh, the second uh, most uh, damaging internet crime for military members was miscellaneous investments. So investment scams. Investment scams, yeah. Yeah. Third on the list was business imposters. Uh, and that's where they pretend to be someone from a, a well-known business brand, and they'll call and they'll offer some kind of a, you know extra special deal. All you know, all you need to do is pay this, and you'll get a special deal that no one else can get. Right. And then last on the or uh, second to last on the list was government imposters. So people pretending to be sort of like what you were talking about, folks from the IRS, other government organizations. I suspect if you're in the military, they they uh, and they know that they'll pretend to be uh, military-specific organizations, yeah. veterans organizations, things like that. Now, if I were a scammer and I was unethical enough to go after a military person, that is exactly the arc I'd take. Yeah. Is I'd go after them because they're steeped in that culture. They're steeped in the government culture. Right, right. It, and, I, you know, I don't have a sense I, – I, because I have never been in the military, uh, my father was uh, served in the Navy for many years, but uh, – not really, uh, I don't know, an active part of my life. So I don't really have a good sense for the degree to which active duty military folks are trusting in the institutions that they interact with day to day. In other words, are they, is there a, a high amount of trust or is there an amount of cynicism? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I know someone I can ask, but. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I have a couple of coworkers here who are, uh, uh, former army guys, I should ask them, see what they say. I suspect it's probably a mix. And like, like most of these things, I bet it depends on, uh, the quality of interactions that they've had with folks. You know, I know, for example, my father has had excellent, uh, interactions with, um, uh, the VA, mm-hmm. you know, and, and lots of people haven't, <laughs> but right. my father's been lucky. So, uh, anyway, this is an interesting report, lots of statistics here. And I think the main thing is that if you or one of your loved ones are, uh, somehow connected to the military. This is a, a good report to have them look through just so these things can be on their radar. We can heighten their awareness of these things. And hopefully, 
If someone tries to come at them, they'll know what to do, or at least it'll ring a bell that they can think twice before being scammed. All right, well, those are our stories this week. It is time to move on to our catch of the day. Dave, our catch of the day comes from Sawyer Dickey on Reddit. We've had him on here before, some of his uh, some of his scam baiting. That's hilarious. Somebody sent him an email that was a prize email, hmm. uh, and he decides he's going to just insist that he is not the winner. Okay. <laughs> so the person that sent him the, uh, the, the email is somebody calling themselves Agent Franklin. Okay. And Sawyer will, uh, I'll play the part of Sawyer. Okay. And you play the part of, of Agent Franklin. All right. And I will say immediately, Dear Mrs. Franklin, I am not the winner. Why? Dear Mrs. Oscar, because I did not enter a drawing, I cannot be the winner. What do you mean? Dear Mrs. Oscar, because I did not enter the drawing, I cannot be the winner. Why? So give me your WhatsApp number. Let's talk on WhatsApp, okay? Dear Mrs. Ito, there's no reason to talk on WhatsApp. You have nothing to send or deliver. Let's talk on WhatsApp because I need you to believe, okay? Just give me your WhatsApp number, okay? Because your winning funds is ready to proceed immediately, okay? It's not my winning fund. There is no need to talk on WhatsApp. You have nothing to send or deliver. If I do not have your delivery, how can I contact you? But you have nothing to deliver. The only thing holding me now is to confirm the right person that I'm going to deliver, okay? Because your car is ready to proceed immediately, okay? Okay, but you have nothing to deliver. So I'm waiting for you to confirm your information, okay? Okay. What is holding you to send your address? The fact that you have nothing to deliver and really do not need my address. I don't understand you. Why not? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I mean that I need to confirm your full information, okay? Why do you need to confirm my information if you have nothing to deliver? Because I need to confirm the right person that I'm going to deliver, okay? I am not the winner, so I am not the right person. Why are you sounding like this? Just let me confirm your full information, okay? What is going to tell you you are talking like this, okay? I am talking like this because you refuse to understand that I am not the winner of the fund. It's your funds, okay? Just the only thinking holding your is to submit your full information, okay? That is the only thing holding your package, okay? Just believe me, okay? But you have nothing to deliver. It's not okay. You have no package to deliver. Why? Hello? I am not the winner. I am not the winner. I did not enter a drawing. Why are you saying that? Just to read my message very well so you can get back to me and confirm your full details immediately, okay? This your funds, okay? The only thing you can do is reconfirm your full information and get back to me so I can proceed your funds to your home address without any wrong delivery, okay? Why do you need my details if you have nothing to deliver? It is not my winning fund. So that is the only thing that's holding me, and your funds just got back to me and text me and bring your full details, okay? I told you, that is your winning funds, okay? Just get back to me and bring your full details that I will submit to our office, okay? What's immediately, you get your full details. Everything will proceed to your home address without anything wrong delivery. But you have no winning fund to deliver. This is your phone, okay? Just pay attention to me and get back to what I told you to do because I'm here for your help. I'm here to deliver your package, okay? The only thing I need is to believe me and focus what I told you, okay? This is not a phone. 
It is not my winning fund. Your fund's with me here. The only thing you will do is to bring your details so that our manager will confirm everything. I will start to be on my way to deliver your funds, okay? But you have no funds to deliver. So are you understand what I'm saying? Just bring it. I need anything to bring it. I will confirm your funds. I will get back to you and stop by on my way, okay? Just do what I told you. I'm a believe me. How are you going to stop by when you're all the way over in West Africa? Why are you saying that is not your winning funds? Tell me the reason why you're saying that. Because you do have to do what I told you to believe me, what I'm telling you, because I'm not here for anything. I'm here for you to help. The only thing I need is to reconfirm your full information. I will start to be on my way, okay? Just believe me and stop saying that is not your funds, okay? It is not my winning fund because you have no winning fund to send. Listen to me. Stop saying that, okay? I am not from West Africa, okay? Then why is your email coming from West Africa? Okay, listen to me. If I don't have your funds, how can I contact you? And how can I wasting your time? Tell me. Because you have nothing better to do with your time. You have to believe me. And stop insulting me because I'm here for your help. I'm not here for scanning or doing anything bad, okay? Just believe me. And get what I told you, okay? I'm not here for cheating you. I'm here for your help, okay? So just believe me what I told you. You will have testimony for this, okay? I'm not here for her to do anything bad for you. I'm here for all your own good. I do not know you will do me good when you have no fun to send. And that's that's the end of it, Dave. Okay. At recording time, this has been going on for four days. <laughs> and I mean, this is this is beautiful, yeah. Sawyer. Uh, I gotta send him a thanks because he said anytime he, I see something, I can I can use this. But this is this is absolutely amazing. Um because I mean, first of all, all he does in this case is just insist that he's not the right guy. Mm-hmm. And this scammer will not let it go. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. I mean, he could practically set up a, a automated chat bot that just says, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me, and just waste this person's time. Of course, I could imagine you end up with dueling automated chat bots. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it could cause a rift in the space-time continuum, uh, but that's all right. <laughs> is it, though? Well, I like maybe, to avoid rifts in this maybe, maybe it's already happened. It would explain a lot. Yes, it would. Yeah. All right. Well, our thanks to Sawyer Dickey from Reddit for uh, sending that in uh, and posting that on Reddit. We we appreciate it. That's uh, it's great good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, we would like to hear from you. If you have something you'd like us to consider for our catch of the day, you can send it to us at hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. All right, Joe, I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Jan Yogman. He is a senior director of product management at Mimecast. Uh, and our discussion uh, focused on uh, this ongoing problem of ransomware, of course, but also his views on the continuing issues with getting everybody up to speed when it comes to security awareness training. Here's my conversation with Jan Yogman. I think the challenge for a long time has been having the end user, having the employee realize the role that they play in their company's security. And it seemed like security was something that happened over there. It didn't apply to me and I would just kind of hope for the best. But we know that that's not true, that so many of the breaches that we're seeing now can track back to a simple security mistake, a weak password, somebody clicking on a link that they, you know, that they shouldn't have. And so The approach started about five years ago with the startup version of what we're doing now, where we said, you know, just because we're talking about maybe boring but important stuff doesn't mean that 
the way we talk about it has to be boring. And so we made a real effort to uh, in, engage the employee to show them why security matters and, and to ultimately get them to a point where they could have a lot of fun along the way. Well, well describe to us how you're coming at this. How is what you all are doing different than some of the other uh, types of things you've seen out there? So it is a, you know, my background is a comedy writer. Uh, I worked in television for a long time. So I'm taking everything that I know from the TV world, from the way we write our awareness training to the way we film it, the way we cast it, the way we edit it, sound design, music, all of it. So our intention is to create a very viewable experience where we are layering in the key takeaway or the message within a module that is is meant to be entertaining, meant to get your attention, meant made to get your focus and leave you, you know, thinking about security maybe just a little bit more than you were you were before. You know, I, I think a lot of us uh, think about our, our security awareness training or indeed, uh, you know, many of the, the types of trainings that we all have to go through that, you know, we get that email from HR or from the security folks and we kind of let out a sigh and think, oh, it's that time of year again. But uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, you, you, can, you can produce this sort of stuff and it can be engaging and actually, dare I say, entertaining. Yeah, and I think the the other key difference is a lot of places in whatever the type of training is, it often tracks back to that annual, it's it's time to get this done again and check the box. Uh, what we do is monthly. And so our customers and users every month get one video that's less than three minutes long. They watch it, they answer a question, they find out why they got it right or wrong, and they're and they're done. And so this steady drip of information where you are thinking about these things more often than just once a year and hoping that you pass the test so you don't have to think about it for another year. We're trying to keep security top of mind. We're trying to keep it really, really bite-sized, manageable, easy to, uh, easy to swallow. In fact, that's a metaphor that I use quite a bit that if you've ever had a dog that you've needed to give medicine to, you can't just <laughs> shove the pill in the dog's mouth. But if you put it in peanut butter or meat or whatever it is, uh, the dog thinks it's getting a treat when it's actually getting something that's pretty good for it. So uh, <laughs> that is uh, a, a little bit of the, of the way we, we, we approach this, not to make light at all of the message, but just make sure that message is, is wrapped up in the right peanut butter. How do you strike that balance? I mean, I, I've certainly, in my experience, I've spoken with some managers who you know, consider something like humor to be potentially dangerous. You know, um, how do you walk that tightrope? Well, it, it's it's really interesting. I, I say that at the end of the day and at the other end of that experience, whether whatever the corporate culture is at a company people are human beings that no matter how serious their job may be, how much pressure they're under, how much stress they are at the end of the day, they're regular people who, who like to, to just relax and laugh the way anybody else else does. And I think there's this tendency that if something is important or if you want to sound intelligent, that you've got to use big words and make it so only top level people can understand it. And I think if you, you know, it's a little cliche to meet people where they are, but because I came into this with no cybersecurity education experience whatsoever, I'm an outsider. This isn't about thinking outside the box. 
this was me not even knowing the box was there. Hmm. So I think it's important to let security professionals, professionals know that in order to be effective, we need to find the most advantageous way to, uh, to impact, to reach, to, uh, to make a difference for, for the employee. We're not going to be right for, for everybody. That's, that's simply the case. But I think in most cases, you know, our humor is not meant to be, you know, juvenile or elementary. We're trying to be as smart as we can about it without making the subject matter light. But again, making, you know, making the way we talk about it and, uh, and the examples that we do, making it relatable, you know, being able to look at our characters and say, uh, yeah, I know that guy, or there's a woman <laughs> in our office who's, who's like that, just, just relatable the same way that, you know, you want to tune into a sitcom, you know, next week, uh, to find out, you know, what, uh, you know, what these people did. Yeah, it also strikes me that in a way, you know, in, in a we're, when we're talking about things like social engineering, um, that's kind of what you're using here in a positive way because through laughter that puts our guard down and it and it opens us up to to learning and to accepting things. It sort of breaks down some of those emotional and and mental walls that we all kind of build up throughout the day. Yeah, I think that's right, and you know, one of the one of the reasons why I'm convinced we're going about this the right way, and we've seen it all over the world, really, where you know I've been had the opportunity to travel with Human Error, our main character, and to see what the reaction is uh, to you know people in their cubicles when they actually meet the star of our you know our videos. They're paying attention. They tell us that they ask when the next training is coming. So imagine, think about that for a second. You've got you've got people in their offices, or more recently in their home offices, actually wanting more training because they they just enjoy the experience, and that is uh, that's half the battle. You can have the most uh, informational presentation, but if uh, if everybody's sitting in the uh, in your audience half asleep, you're not uh, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. No, I think it's a really interesting insight, but also a fascinating sort of competitive advantage. You know, if you can make something that people are looking forward to, you know, that that next episode, boy, what a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is that there is this, this following, you know, of our, you know, of our characters. And, you know, it, it's funny because I'll, I'll start to write, you know, I'll call it an episode for, but, you know, for educational purposes, it's a module Mm. And I'll be a page and a half into my script and I'll realize, oh, I haven't said anything about security yet. And then I can peel back, but I, I never, I never start these thinking coming out of the gate swinging where this is what we're teaching you today. It's here are these people in their office situation in a restaurant at home. And all of a sudden they get caught up in a security decision and likely make a security mistake. And then we see the fallout of what could happen. It's also meant not to scare people. I think if we, if we show situations where somebody maybe dodges a bullet, they make the mistake or there are consequences, but we realize it could have been a lot worse. Um, We don't have to approach this as, you know, putting the fear of everything in these people, but like letting them extrapolate. All right. If, if this, if this could happen, well, imagine if that had gotten out to a larger audience or, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. 
How do you all measure success? I mean, how do you uh, how do you get feedback to know that the stuff you're putting out there is really having an impact? So I, I think it comes from two places. One again is is uh, the employees who are watching the training, uh, asking for more training, and answering survey questions that we give them periodically throughout the year. That says, are you thinking about this stuff differently? Are you making decisions differently at work and at home? Uh, you know, based on the training. So they tell us that it is uh, having an impact. And on the other side of it, it's the security professionals, the CISOs, uh, who are the ones, the decision makers who decide to use our training and and tell us that the impact that it's having. The it it, it may prove itself in results in a phishing test, how, you know, how many people are, how many fewer people are, are clicking now than they were, you know, what kind of, uh, fires is that, is that, is that CISO putting out on a regular basis? And is that workforce, uh, joining the fight? So we're hearing it from, you know, from both sides and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but there are some impressive ones, uh, that do say with Mimecast awareness training, you know the likeliness or of 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 clicking on a bad link are is is significantly less all right joe what do you think a lot of good stuff in this interview dave yeah uh first off security is everyone's job and that's how jan starts off the interview uh people think security is something that happens or is done somewhere else but I've said this before on this show, and I say it frequently, that if I was ever put in charge of security awareness or uh, just security in general at some company, the first thing I'd do is I'd have an all-hands meeting and tell everybody they're on my team. They're part of my security team. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. It is part of everybody's job description. Yeah. The material can be boring. I, I understand that. I mean, the listeners of this show hopefully don't think that we're boring. Hopefully, we make it entertaining. <laughs> and that's kind of what, what we try to do. And Jan's doing the same thing, right? But it's going to be much more successful at sticking if it isn't boring, if it's entertaining. Right. Uh, and the thing I think about is, uh, are you familiar with the Dice Man? I am, actually. Right. Yeah. In a past life, Dave, I had I had to work in a job where I had to have regular security briefings. Okay. And we had a various, various kinds of speakers, but there was always this one guy that stood out, the Dice Man. Mm. And when... People heard that he was going to be giving the the security briefing. They were more ex- they were actually excited to go see this presentation because he was uh, he had a routine, a uh, rehearsed practice routine that was entertaining and informative, mm-hmm. and it was good. And that's what Mimecast is doing here, but they're doing it differently. They're doing it with a monthly over the you know over the internet kind of delivery. Right, right, and keeping it relatable is very, very important. And one of the things, I I can't remember where I first saw the human error character. It may have been in a commercial or something, Mm -hmm. but when I saw that, I said, that's a great idea. Hmm. And I I went out onto YouTube. There are a couple of videos out there. I have a a link here. Can we put it in the show notes, I guess? Yeah. Uh, Of one of Mimecast's videos. It's great. It's very well done, and the character is well played, and there are, there were a couple of, for me at least, there were a couple of laugh out loud moments right, in, right. In, in the presentation. And it's a five-minute video that tells you a lot of, of operational security and uh, security awareness information 
that's conveyed in a memorable format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think about, I, the way I think about it, and I can't remember if I if I mentioned this uh, in our interview, but it's sort of the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. Right. Right. You you're learning something and you're not even realizing it because you're being so well entertained. Yep. And uh, to me, that's the most effective way. To, if you can bring people, if you leave them wanting more. You can't ask for more than that when it comes to training. Right? Yeah, what's amazing to me in this interview is Jan talks about how people are actually asking when the next when the next video is coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if if you have customers asking that, you've hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, our thanks to uh, Jan Yogman for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate him taking the time. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. And, of course, we want to thank the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 